Welcome back to Lash Biz Babes, the business and marketing podcast for solo lash artists and beauty business owners. I'm so excited to be back again with you guys this week. My name's Erica. I'm your host. I help solo lash artists build a full clientele and create a life that they love. And I'm really freaking excited for this week's episode. We've got another guest on the show this week. We've got Carrie Bristow from Carrie Designs talking to us today. And you guys, if you don't know who Carrie is, you are in for a treat. She is the retention queen of the industry and has so much knowledge and experience and insights to share with us today. I'm really excited for you to listen to her. We're going to be talking about retention, clientele building, business, and mom life, and all the things in between. So get ready for this amazing episode, and if you haven't subscribed already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button, um, but other than that, let's go ahead and jump into it. Welcome to the Lash Biz Babes podcast. Um, so first off, if you just want to introduce yourself a little more about you and how you got into lashes. Okay, hello, I am Carrie Bristow, I am the owner of Carrie Designs. I have been in the beauty industry. I graduated hair school in 2010. Um, I also went to aesthetic school shortly afterwards. Um, I learned lashes in hair school, but I didn't really get into it until aesthetics. Um, And honestly, I didn't even get into it really until maybe 2014, 2015, when um, volume was introduced. I remember, you know, classics way back when, when they first started were, in my opinion, really ugly. (laughs) I would agree with that. (laughs) They were so ugly. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to offer this. They're so ugly. Like anytime I saw a set, they were like J curl, very heavy looking, the 0.25s, not cute whatsoever. Plus training wasn't so great. So even though I was trained, I didn't feel really confident. And then of course I thought they looked so ugly. So I was like, no, I'm not going to offer this. Um, I got better training in aesthetic school. Um, and then I actually went back and became, um, a licensed instructor for that, um, aesthetic school and got continued training in lashes. And I did notice definitely that, Techniques were getting a little bit better here and there, but for the most part, I really didn't think education really picked up until about 2015, in my opinion. And that's when I saw work on Instagram that actually looked really good. And I sought out um, training from a company that I felt like could could train me really well and got trained in volume. And Um, it kind of went from there and it kind of exploded. Um, I stopped doing hair and just exclusively started doing lashes and brows. So, um, that's kind of (laughs) me in a nutshell, I guess. I love that. I would totally agree with you though. Like classics when they first started out. So I didn't go to aesthetic school till 2014, but my sister learned lashes in cosmetology school and trained for a company here in Utah after that Mm -hmm. and so I had sat through lash trainings with her and stuff and it's just so crazy how much different it was I remember the first time she did my lashes I was like I wish we could do like really full like basically what volume is now yes not that she didn't do a good job but it just was like if I'm gonna have these on I wish it was like boom in your face (laughs) at least for me that's right like I have so a niece. I was really Sorry. Oh, you're just fine. 
Um, I have a niece who's going to aesthetic school right now. Mm -hmm. Um, She's currently in aesthetic school and her first sets are like my sets after like a year and a half, like so much better than it used to be. It's so crazy. I a hundred percent agree. And I feel like there's so much more support now that girls coming out of school feel so much more confident to jump right into Mm -hmm. going solo. I'm always so impressed. Like I was talking about that with the girl I trade lashes with and she just like these girls coming out of school are just so confident and I love it. And which is pretty awesome. You know, just seeing where it started and where it is now. Um, Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with social media because when I learned lashes, I, I, there wasn't many, I think there was like Facebook and I think Instagram Maybe came out sure. I'm sure Instagram was around. I think by I think it got more popular though, and especially for like businesses. Yes. It wasn't just like a personal page anymore. Exactly. So like when I graduated, I didn't really see much people posting their work. And there weren't like forums, at least not yet. So now when they're entering even school and then the workforce, there are hundreds of thousands of pages and um, Instagram profiles and online education. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. not like so hard to find someone to train you. Like it's everywhere now. So I'm so glad that artists now are getting better education. It just makes um, lashes in general improve, improve, improve. Where I feel like for us in the beginning, it was such a slow process in the beginning. And now with social media and the internet, um, progress is made even faster exactly when I feel like it's brought the whole industry together so much more like just the community of it all and for sure versus like when people used to like gatekeep all their information and you know be super secretive versus now where it's like open Mm -hmm. and it's community and we're all helping each other like the difference that I like I've even observed with that has been so like incredible to watch um and I feel like it only benefits everybody right right exactly Okay, so I would love also for you to tell us uh, like what your experience was like building your clientele, especially, you know, where you got started Mm -hmm. several years back, you know, the difference between that and, you know, today. Right. So building my clientele obviously started as a hairstylist. That's what I started out doing. Um, I did a little bit of aesthetic treatments as well. Um, For me, I worked at a hair salon for a little bit. So I gained clientele that way. Um, And I think for most people, they start out doing their friends and family. So for me, it was friends, family, and then the the walk-ins or the people who scheduled with me at my hair salon. Not my hair salon, but the one I worked for. So, um, and I only worked there for maybe a year. And I think it's because, oh, I got pregnant. I was really sick. So I started actually just taking clients from my home. Um, and I kept my clientele small because I was pregnant and then obviously had my baby. Um, and I did hair for probably about seven years and then lashes here and there. Again, wasn't like very serious with the lashes yet. But how I kind of promoted myself. I did my best to share what I could on Facebook. I think back then that was my primary way of finding clients. And then word of mouth through my family and friends. That was, I think, the main way I started getting clients. And then as I transitioned to lashes, I was lucky enough that a lot of my hair clients wanted to try out, get lashes. And that was great. Um, And then 
it was word of mouth mostly. And then once I kind of got a handle on how Instagram could be used, not just to share photos of your life, but um, photos of your work and promote yourself. Um, I really was just always searching and seeing how other people promoted themselves, asking other artists how they got busy. And a lot of it was posting really good photos, being consistent with posting and using hashtags that were um, specific to your area and your niche, not doing anything too broad. Hashtags have always been a great tool and they were useful, especially back then. Um, so I would say mostly that's how I did it back then was a word of mouth process and then um, posting on Instagram. And I did, I got many DMs and I did, I got a lot of clients simply by that. Um, I know the market continues to be more saturated, but that doesn't mean those things still don't work. You can still find clients via Instagram, word of mouth, um, things of that nature. Now my books are closed. I have a very small clientele of four ladies who I adore. And Love so I'm it. not really looking to get more clients, but um, as far as lash clients go, but when I think about, I'm, I'm trying to get students as my clients, you know? Right. So I still have to use those same kind of methods. I'm promoting myself on social media. Now it, that's come a long way. It's not just hashtags anymore. You have to be more aggressive with your marketing. Um, and I, I primarily promote myself on Instagram. Yes, through hashtags, but through content that helps um, inform, educate, inspire, etc. to build my student clientele, if that helps answer the question. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, because I know there's a lot of people in our community here who are shifting more into that education space too. Right. So I think that's a good thing to point out that it's really just the same thing, but you're shifting your focus on a different yeah. audience. Yeah. Um, so with your word of mouth was, do you feel like there's anything you did particularly that helped that take off um, a lot? Cause I know that's always something that gets recommended a lot, but then it's like, if you don't, have that many like friends or family in your area or people aren't giving you as many referrals? Do you think there's anything that um, they can be doing uh, to help speed up that process? Right. I, I feel very um, fortunate that I live in a hometown where I have primarily all of my family. And then obviously I've been here my whole life. So I have quite a few friends and acquaintances. So that might not always work for someone who has moved to a new place. I know, obviously, you've gone through that. I know many mm -hmm. lash artists who have picked up and moved somewhere else, and they're starting fresh with um, no referrals and no family, no friends. Um, and I think that's a little bit trickier, but not impossible. You've been proof of that. So anytime um, I'm having a conversation with a lash artist about that, I really tell them they need to hone in, obviously, with their marketing on Instagram, being consistent with posting, being consistent with, um, your message, um, with hashtags and then finding people in your area, uh, networking with other lash artists, because often other lash artists, um, get referrals themselves and they can't always fill their books with these people who are trying to get in. So if you can get to know other lash artists in your area and say, Hey, if you, if you're getting people trying to get in with you, but you can't take them, can you send them my way? Um, I think that's a great way. Um, there's so many times where I've sent so much 
um, work to other lash artists because I'm not, my books aren't open. Um, and then there's always, um, networking with local beauty, um, like, um, you know, hair salons, tanning salons, things like that. Um, trying to, you know, um, give each other information, cross promote, um, and things like that. So, um, if you're in a new area, you need to hustle and work hard, but it's not impossible. I love that. I totally agree. That I'm, that's one of the things I did too, is I started trading lashes for hair with someone and then we just yeah. referred clients to each other. Totally. And so then I had like a hair girl and then, you know, I, we, I would, refer clients to the microblading girl in my building and she'd refer clients to me mm-hmm. and you know networking with other lash artists and beauty professionals I feel like is totally underrated but super effective because you have that same audience of people absolutely mm-hmm. um, so I love that thank you for sharing that uh do you feel like there were any like struggles you ran into along the way with uh, like even just not just with building your clientele but in general in your lash journey um, and if so, how do you, f- how did you overcome them? Yeah. So I think the two things that are, they're picking up in the lash industry much more, but in, in the beginning of my career and in the lash industry, the two things that were missing was adequate client and business education. And second, which is what I specialize in is retention. So Back then, um, I didn't fully understand how to run a proper business. Like now I have a website. I have things like that. When people book, it's through a website. Back then, it was like, send me a DM and I'll book you. Where I had no shows. I had people who were coming late or um, there was just miscommunication a lot of times. And I wish someone had said, hey, I know it seems easier to do this, but you'll be more successful and you'll have um, less no shows and all of that. If you actually have even a very simple, basic booking website, and then along with that, having more education about policies and how to keep them, um, enforced. And I think a lot of new lash artists, new artists in any beauty genre, whatever that they're working in, Mm -hmm. they have a hard time, um, setting those uh, policies in place and keeping them concrete. Yes. They get walked over a lot. So I think in my early days, I Mm -hmm. wish I had someone, a mentor, more education, even in hair school and aesthetic school, there's not nearly enough education about business and policies and things like that. I wish I had someone to kind of hold my hand and walk me through those things. Um, And then secondly, like I mentioned, retention back in those days. And even still now, the main focus is fundamentals, which obviously we need how to lash, how to lash, um, in a healthy, uh, correct way. Um, but then after that, all the classes are like artistry, right? which is great. I've taken several artistry courses. They are definitely important and they're wonderful and they're good. But I think lash artists jump from the basics to artistry and they miss a really crucial step, which is, okay, now that you've learned how to lash, let's learn the extra little things to help you um, lash in a way that those actually last long enough. Because having a beautiful set is great, but it doesn't mean a darn thing to your clients 
if they have to come back every week or whatever to get them filled. Mm -hmm. So those are the two things. Business and retention are the main things that I wish I would have learned earlier on in my career. Totally same. I'm over here just like shaking my head yes to everything you're saying. Right, (laughs) Um, seriously. Because I felt the same way when I first got started. And, you know, especially when I went solo and Mm -hmm. going out on my own and trying to navigate through like how to run a business that was really overwhelming for me and so I think that that is one of the things that I'm really grateful has improved and evolved along with you know retention training and just overall better like products and things right right so is that part of what made you decide to really focus in on teaching retention Yes. I mean, I think that everyone tends to teach their specialty and their specialty usually comes from struggle and retention was my main struggle for years. And I was someone who had several certifications under my belt and was still struggling with it. And I think one day it was like after a particularly long lashing day where I had regular clients and then I had to fit in, I think like two or three who just had awful retention and I had to fix them. And it was like the end of the day. And I was like, what Mm -hmm. am I doing wrong? And it kind of just lit this fire in me that I'm like, I got to figure this out. And so it was reading blogs, um, YouTube videos, and a lot of trial and error, um, taking notes, um, being diligent about keeping track of what I was doing to see what worked and what didn't. And it just became a passion and still is because I realized there was a huge, there was like no retention help anywhere. Everyone was giving very vague or different, um, ideas of how to fix retention. A lot of it was just, Oh, it's probably just your glue. You should try this company. Yeah. Okay. No, that's still some of that too. Still, still a lot of that. (laughs) Um, and just kind of random things. And, um, so it, I really studied it for, I feel like a year or two before I was like, okay, I think I understand. And then started talking about it and then eventually started my trainings. Um, And that's how I feel like everybody, everybody has like their niche and it's, it's usually born out of like a trial or a tribulation within their own last journey. And that was mine specifically. So it was also kind of like see a need, fill a need. There was nothing, no one really talking about retention, um, consecutive, like consistently. I mean, and I was like, okay, this is where I need to step in and see what I can do to help. Yeah. And I remember seeing like I think I started following you because someone shared one of your posts on your on their stories like I don't know a handful of years ago or more but I remember thinking like it was so cool that you talked specifically about retention because I don't think I'd ever seen that before yeah and because it was such a gap in the industry I was like excited to find you because it was something I knew I needed to work on. Um, and I think that helps people stand out too when you do focus on like that thing that you're really good at or, you know, niching yeah. down on that. And whether mm-hmm. that's if you're an educator or an artist, you know, decide what you're really good at and lean into that strength of yours. Um, right. 
and you know personally just take I've taken your course before and it was that trip a game changer literally thank I, you well and it, it's crazy too because <clears throat> I was like five years or I don't even remember like at least five years into lashing by the time I took your course and there was so much in-depth information that it was like oh my gosh how did I go this long without I knowing know. these things I know and that's why um I push it so much because I I really want most of I, I really want retention information education to be in foundation courses um like whenever I teach a newbie like classic or volume artist my retention course is smashed into it because it's it's important. They should know that right out the gate. Um, focusing a little bit less on the artistry, which again, still very important, but not as important as the retention. I totally agree with that. And I feel like retention is one of those base techniques that you need. And mm-hmm. artistry is something that you can continue to build and evolve off of over time as well. Absolutely. But like you have to get people's lashes lasting because that's yes. what they're paying you for. Exactly. Um. So do you feel like retention plays a role in creating that loyal clientele? Absolutely. This is something that I talk about um, on Instagram and even have included it in my retention mastery that really there are three pillars to quality lash extensions. The first pillar is health. Lash extensions have to be healthy. Second is longevity, which is retention. And then third is beauty. And for clients, the main thing they care about are the first two, health and longevity. They care if they are, you know, pinching or poking or hurting. um, And then they care if they last. I've had so many clients where I've done a beautiful set and they're like, oh yeah, it looks great. But they're not like, oh, I really see how you did this change and it's so amazing. No, the thing that they notice, they come back and they say, oh, they lasted so much better this week. Or they're coming back and they're saying, um, they did not last well at all. And I've noticed the number one factor, whether a client stayed with me or booked again with me, was if I could consistently give them good retention. I really feel like that is the number one factor for most clientele. Like, yes, clients will stay if like you guys have a great bond, you have a great rapport and they feel comfortable there. I'm not saying all the other extras don't matter. I'm not saying that at all. But bottom line, clients are paying mostly a very expensive price and they're going to stop coming to you if they're paying all this money for zero return and the lashes are just falling out prematurely. So I think it's, I would say, top three reasons why a client books with you and stays with you or not is if you can give them good retention. I 100% agree with that. And especially if it's like a new client to you who's gone other places before. Yeah. And if you have really good retention and they've never had that before, I yeah. feel like that makes them such a loyal client to you. And they'll uh, they'll tell everyone about you too. Yes, exactly. Which is mm-hmm. so um, with, you know, if someone's wanting to learn more about retention, you know, where do you think that they should start with better retention? Mm-hmm. Well, first and foremost, um, cleansing, 
Um, it's such a simple thing, but um, I would actually like to see across the board um, lash artists cleansing their clients' lashes just before the appointment, like just before the set. Like I, back in the day, used to say, just have your clients wash them um, just before they come. But oftentimes, even if clients are really diligent and wash just before they get there, I've noticed that clients don't give a really good deep clean mm -hmm. as well as you can yourself. I just think it's something that adds to the service. It makes it more of a luxury service. Um, to me, it's the equivalent of getting your nails done and they do um, the, the nail artists that really put time and effort into really good cuticle work. You'll notice those, those nails don't lift and pop off. You know, it's like the same thing. Like you wouldn't go to get your nails done and they wouldn't touch your cuticles or clean off the nail bed. Right. If they right. didn't, those nails would not last. So I want it to just be kind of standard. That's kind of how I feel. I feel like a lash bath should be standard now. That is the first step. Not only is it going to give you a nice clean canvas for the adhesive to stick, but it's just going to prevent um, buildup and then eye infections and um, things like that. So that's the first step. Um, and secondly, I'm seeing a lot of um, girls, honestly, that I see mostly, it's just they're not using enough adhesive. Um, lash extensions don't attach by magic. <laughs> they attach with the adhesive. It's the adhesive that makes them stick. So if you're noticing that they're just flaking off, that's a sure sign that you're just not using enough. So those are two really simple ways to increase your lash retention. I love those tips, especially because, you know, when I took your course and then started implementing even just these little things, mm -hmm. it made such a difference. Right my clients retention mm -hmm. and you know just really being able to give them the best quality service that I could um, right. and give them those lashes that were gonna last um, and I think also having that better re you know refreshed retention education helped me educate my clients better as well totally. to make mm -hmm. the most of their investment which they were all thrilled with so exactly I'm so glad that you are like so passionate about retention because <laughs> I am it yes. literally changed my business so much oh I'm so glad and to hear I that I love it so necessary in the industry um so if any educators are listening, do you, would you have any advice on how they can better integrate like retention education into like their basic trainings? I love that. That's a great question. Um, Cause obviously I can't be the only one teaching retention. I'm only one woman and there are probably millions of lash <laughs> artists. Yeah. Um, so other educators, this is something that if they feel comfortable should include in their training. Um, so th that is a great question. I think the first thing is before they teach it, it's something that they need to feel skilled and confident in. I'm never um, for someone just teaching something for the sake of teaching it. They, they really have to be practicing it and they need to be pretty much an expert on the subject. Right. So I would say before they start teaching it is to um, make sure they got everything Sorry, I'm like losing my words, but they need to make sure that their retention is good. So, and if it's not, okay, that's when they need to start either finding education such as mine that they can take and <laughs> yes. educate themselves, but also their, um, 
practicing in their, you know, alone time with their clients and taking notes and seeing what's working, what's not. I love personal education, like your personal trial and error. I, obviously, taking education from another educator, it's great. You learn a lot from that person, but I feel like you learn a lot by um, kind of doing your own experiments and your own studies and your hands-on. So that's the first thing to do. Secondly, you know, obviously um, other educators have other niches that they kind of specialize in. So if they want to incorporate retention, it doesn't have to be a big program like mine. It can be like five really solid tips that they can um, teach, you know, quickly that um, that can really help. It doesn't have to be a full program, but I do think everyone should be incorporating you know, three to five really solid tips to help their students. Right. Like the, at least like the basics of it. Absolutely. Cause the basics really take you further. I, I teach a lot of aspects of lash retention, um, but I really hone in five specific things that really should help. So just those five things any educator could teach and their students would be like, okay, bless you. Not only did you teach me mega volume, but you taught me how I can have my mega volume fans last even longer. So right. um, th the basics are what actually take you the furthest with lash retention. It doesn't have to be complicated. Right. I love that. And, you know, one thing I've done with my trainings is make sure to have like my retention section in the manual so that when they come back to it or like as they're lashing, they can come back to it. Absolutely. If they're having problems, like there's like a troubleshooting mm -hmm. section in my manual. So yeah. Like a checklist. Have you done client, this? Have you done yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. And, um, and it has a section that's like, if your client is experiencing this, like if their lashes are popping off or if they're coming to you like two days later and they've got red eyes or, you know, like, your client's experiencing this then here's what you can do some things to experiment with absolutely um, and I think that's been something that's been really helpful for students and I love that you said you know no matter what niche you've gotten into like you can still include some retention things into it I think that yeah. is an awesome um tip for educators yeah so kind of shifting gears now but you know you were talking about how you were like pregnant and lashing mm -hmm. and building your clientele and you know you're a mom now you've got four kids right yes yes so love that <laughs> busy woman so tell yes. us about mom life and like business and lash life and um you know what's your balance between them or like your ebb and flow for it mm -hmm. so the the term balance does not exist i need to put that out there now <laughs> Um, that was something I had to learn. I would I would see other moms in the beauty industry, which whatever industry they're in, and think, oh my gosh, they're so balanced. They have it so together. You know, they don't have any hiccups in their day. And from what I've learned from all of them is that is a complete lie. Balance does not exist. There are ebbs and flowing of your business and um, your personal life. And Although I kind of live and die by my schedule, I also have had to learn to be flexible and to be okay when things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. Because human life is unpredictable. Business is unpredictable. So you make a plan, but also plan to be flexible. 
And that's something that I'm still learning. I don't want anyone listening to this or seeing me on Instagram or YouTube to think that I have everything down pat. No, I'm still learning what works for me and for my family and for my business. And the thing is, as soon as you feel like you've got a good like flow and schedule, well, your children and your babies (laughs) are changing. So like one day my, my baby boy is taking two really great naps and then like the next month he turns one and for all I know he could be on like a sleep strike and not want to sleep and then I don't have that time so kind of how I feel is I definitely live off of a um, belief system of putting my family first absolutely Um, because I don't want to look back at my life and see that sure I was super successful but I didn't spend any time with my family. Um, so I put my family first, but when I can put my business on the front burner, I make sure that I do as much as I can in the time that I'm I've given for, for those days where I have no time to commit to business, but I still have things back logged or, um, batch work created or a bunch of reels created and things like that, that I can just plug in and do um, for the days where I can't commit any time to my business, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. I can 100% relate to that. And right. Do you have three or four? I have two. Oh, two. Oh, way off. Two. That's okay. <laughs> they keep me plenty busy, though. My right, right. youngest is wild. She's my second one. And yeah. they always say second kids are the craziest. But They are. Um, yeah, I totally agree. And I think even when I've got like a good plan, you, like you said, you know, kids throw a wrench in your, not a wrench in your day, but you know, like yeah. plot twist basically. Yes. So there's, you know, days where like she's teething and she just wants mom or she didn't sleep exactly. the night before I was up five times with her. Um, and I think, you know, a, what you said about getting as much done as you can and the time you have to work on your business is super important yeah and just giving yourself grace outside of that because absolutely it can be a lot of overwhelm and yes that's not sustainable long term so you definitely have to go with the flow on it go with the flow and I really want to emphasize there have been times in my career that I've taken months off from posting from doing anything and anytime I've I hear other women say I want I want I would love to do that but I'm terrified and I have to tell you Instagram your business will always be there yes you might lose followers you might lose some cash flow but if what you need is a break you need to take one yeah when I feel myself like splitting at the seams I feel spent. I feel like I have no creative juices. I have no ideas and everything. And I'm feeling like I can't do this anymore. When I feel like I want to quit, that's when I, that's when I know I just need a, like a good break, not like a day or two. I need to take a couple weeks to a couple months off, depending on your burnout and what obviously you can commit to like being away from. Um, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that my husband is the main financial provider. I don't have to work to provide for my family, at least not anymore. So I can take breaks, but um, I just, I just see the burnout is overwhelming, especially within um, 
with the lash artists who are also mothers or caretakers of any kind. Yes. And no amount, no paycheck, no accolades, no amount of followers is worth your mental health, you know, going down the toilet. Like it's not. So if you feel like you need a break, take a break. I've, I've stepped away and yeah, I lost maybe a couple hundred followers, but to me, that wasn't really a loss. If they were followers that were kind of fickle and they left, well, that's fine. They weren't for me. I had thousands who stayed, who actually cared about me and my content. So I, I don't love this whole like hustle culture, especially with moms, because we're already hustling 24 seven for our families. So your family, your mental health should come first. There are times where maybe you're in a booming season with your business and that's definitely more on the forefront, but it should never completely overtake your life that you're never with your family and you're feeling completely overwhelmed and burnt out. Yeah. And it's that ebb and flow with it for sure. Absolutely. That I love all the insight you gave there. Um, that's what I always tell like my students and my coaching clients when they're feeling like burnt out and overwhelmed. It's like, okay, like take a step back, like take yeah. a breather for a second and go do something that you love to do. Like whether that's yes. go watch your favorite movie or eat your favorite foods or like get outside. That's what yes. I, I love to Unplug. do. Yes, as we love like going to the lake and stuff, and I will just love like it. get my feet in the sand and enjoy my kids and yeah. spending time with my husband. And so, you know, if you're feeling that way, that's I always recommend that to you. Like, take some time for you because that just gives you the space to like recharge and re-energize and yes. just get like re-inspired on things. Because I feel like absolutely. That's when my like creative juices come in the most. Or exactly. I can get, like content ideas or like program ideas or like just generalized like clarity with what I'm doing with my business is when I'm like taking that time for myself. Absolutely. And so I think everything you said really, you know, enforces that and gives them some good um, guidance on how to navigate that. Because yeah. especially starting out, if you're a mom and building your business and growing your clientele, it can feel really overwhelming to begin with. Yes. And you have that mom guilt and mm-hmm. feeling bad, stepping away from your family, which, you know, sometimes that needs to happen. And you shouldn't feel guilty about that. But, you know, work isn't life. It's a part of your life, but it shouldn't be your whole life. I agree. And that's one of the things it's like you know create your business to support you in a way that's going to allow you to live life how you want to so mm-hmm. if you want to spend more time with your family how can you set up your business to allow you to do that exactly yes um, make it work for you yes and i i don't think this topic is talked about enough in the industry so i've made it no. like a personal mission of mine to ask every guest who's a mom about yeah. this so it, it's really not I think um and it's not just the industry I think it's just um business in general mm-hmm. um I've I might butcher the quote but moms are expected to work as if they don't have kids yeah. and are expected to be moms or have kids as if they don't work like we are pulled in so many directions we're su- we're supposed to be mothers who have no other commitments the very best moms but then also at the same time as a businesswoman be so committed that it's as if we don't have any kids if that makes sense 
Yes. That's not possible. There's a very huge like hustle culture, grind, all that stuff. And I don't love it. I think I it's yucky it. because it's kind of pushing this narrative like you have to grind yourself into the ground to be successful and you have to make all like, the sacrifices in the yeah. world. And yes, sacrifices do have to be made, but that should never be your family. Right. It you know what I mean? Come at the cost of not spending time with your kids yeah. or ignoring you, your husband. Exactly. And you can be very successful. Yes, you'll make some sacrifices, but you can still be successful and still have sanity and still have a life and not feel like you're working 24 seven for your business. Yes. I love that. And I think part of that too is, you know, finding clients who are understanding of that in that way. Absolutely. Like I mm-hmm. remember last year, it was while I had another lash artist working in my studio with me. We had this first time client come in and she was supposed to be, I was supposed to do her lashes, but my I woke up that morning and my son was sick. And so my other girl took this client and the client was so annoyed about it and didn't come back because of it. But I just was like, please don't come back because if that's like, I I don't want you as a client that way. Like I'm okay with that. Like not every client is for you. And I think, you know, with me being a mom and growing my clientele and running my business, that's been a really important part is like, I want clients and students who are understanding of that. So like when my baby shows up halfway through a training during the lunch break so I can nurse her client, you know, my students have always been so chill with that and they love it. They love it when she comes in. And so I think that's an important thing too, is, you know, it's okay. Like if the client isn't okay with that or they get upset with you, like it's okay to tell them that, you know, like this isn't going to work out and let them move on and find clients who are there for you and understanding and are respectful of you. Right. That's another lesson that I definitely had to learn as well, that it's okay to say no to people. It's okay to be picky about your clientele. And it doesn't mean you have to be rude or mean to the ones that, Mm -mm. you know, it's just like, Hey, you know what? I don't think I can give you what you need and vice versa. Um, Here's some recommendations and I wish you well, like it's, you'll actually be so much happier um, being more picky with your clientele. Yeah. Sure. And I think that can be a scary thing sometimes because mm-hmm. it's of like, oh, I don't want to lose money. But yeah. at the end of the day, your energy is going to be better because of it. And yes. you're going to be able to make more money because of Absolutely. That, having that better energy. So that was, that's always a good thing to yeah. learn. Um, so Last question for you. Um, I'd love to hear more about how like you transitioned into the education space of lashes and like what you do mm-hmm. now and you know how lash artists can um, connect with you and learn from you. Right. Awesome. Thank you. So um, a lot of people don't know this, but I actually have my instructor's license and I've been teaching since about 2011. So after I graduated aesthetic school, um, I've, I had always wanted to teach. I love teaching. Um, and so I decided to go ahead and just get my instructor's license. And then I was given the opportunity to go and be a student teacher at the aesthetic school that I went to. And I had taught there for like four years. So, um, and I was teaching a bunch of aesthetic things, but lashes was one of them, um, taught classic. And so I've been teaching for many, many years. Um, And then I had an opportunity to work for a lash company and I worked for them teaching for about a year. Um, All the while I was also doing just solo teachings. Um, And then it was just 
I think 2019 that I really decided to go for it and uh, do my own lash trainings. Teaching has always been a passion of mine. I've always loved it. It's never, ever been about the money. Um, If I could, I would just travel the world and teach my retention course because it is something that is, it's been life-changing for many of my students and for me. Um, um, And I think that's, that would probably be my advice for anyone who wants to train. One, you don't have to be a trainer to be successful in the lash industry. I think a lot of people think that's like the progression that you have to do, but there's, there's so many branches in the lash industry. Um, you know, you can just be a really amazing, successful lash artist. You can do a product line, you can open a salon, you can do mentoring, you can do big trainings, you can be, um, a speaker, you can be a judge. There's so many things that you can do. You don't have to be a trainer, but if teaching is something that is something you're so interested in, like I'd mentioned before, find something that you are so passionate about within education, within lashes. For me, that was retention. For you, it might be mega volume or Russian volume, or it might be the foundations. I actually love teaching foundational classic and volume material. I love that stuff too. Um, It might be advanced stuff. It might be artistry. Find the one thing and niche down to it and be pat, like show your passion, show how much you care about teaching that subject to students um, and go for it. Don't be held back. Um, And you can go in the route of two day courses, three day courses, workshops, online programs, um, YouTube. There's so many modalities. Find the one that you love and you enjoy. Don't compare your teaching style to anyone else. I remember when I started my YouTube, which at this point I haven't done a video in like like two years, but <laughs> when I had started it, I heard a lot <clears throat> of flack from other people, like gossip that it was like really lame. But I've been oh, able to. No way. I <laughs> yeah, like people like them loving them. <laughs> like people straight up saying it was like causing the industry to like it was cheapening the industry, which is ridiculous because oh. I wasn't sharing ultra like valuable information. It was fundamentals and basics that should be taught in every fundamental course. But here's the thing: the reason why I was really passionate about teaching, especially for free on Instagram for a while or YouTube for a while. A lot of educators in the industry act as if everyone has two grand to just drop on a training. That is not the case for the majority of people, right. especially for young artists who are like young women, young men, young women who they're straight out of school or what about the multiple um, multiple students I've taught that are busy moms and they have very sh- small budgets or they are the main providers of their family? Not everyone has two grand to drop on a training, but those people still are hustling and doing their best. Don't they deserve a little bit of help? Yeah. In my opinion, they do. So that's why I do. I put information on Instagram. I have my videos on YouTube and I do my workshops for a smaller price than like a two day training. 
It doesn't cheapen the industry. No, it actually helps those people who normally would be offering maybe subpar lash work um, because of their subpar education. Instead, they've been able to get a couple really helpful tips and tricks to elevate their artistry, therefore make more money, and therefore spend more money on a higher priced education. So really that has been my main motivation. I've been teaching for a decade and I've come across all walks of life, people who have money to spend and people who have no pennies extra, nothing. But those people still deserve a little bit of help. And that's why I teach. Yes, that is amazing. And, you know, just making it more accessible for everyone. And absolutely brings up the value of the industry and yes, across the board. Yeah. Um, and I know for myself, when I first went out solo, I remember seeing your content and loving your free content and so much that it was like a leeway into taking your course too, because yeah. it was like a no brainer. And yeah. so I'm just very thankful for you. And oh my gosh, you're sweet. Come on. This is like full circle to interview you <laughs> on my podcast because I remember listening to you on like Lash Boss Radio. Yeah. When it first came out and being like, I'm going to take her course. Oh my gosh. I love and to hear so that. That is this so is sweet. Full circle for me. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and your insight and just yeah. being such a great educator in the industry. Well, oh my gosh. And full circle, you were a student of mine and now you are um, teaching your niche, which is clientele building business and marketing. You have a podcast. You are absolutely killing it with your clients. So congratulations to you. It's so amazing to see how much you you have grown and have become so successful. Thank you. Yeah, it's been a a ride and a a Mm -hmm. good one, an exciting Mm -hmm. one. And I think for me that came out of that my biggest struggle was business. Like you said, you're, you know, the struggle with retention. So that's what you focus in on now. And that was me too. When I, so I worked at a corporate studio to begin with and then went out after a year there, went out on my own and I felt so confident with my lashing skills, but then I got out and was like, holy crap, I do not know how to get clients. (laughs) Right. It's hard. And I didn't know anybody. And so then that became like my mission to like learn how to do it. And I told myself like, when I get this figured out, I'm going to turn around and teach everyone else around me how to do it too, because I don't think people should have to struggle this hard. And they should. Right. That's yeah. That was my main motivation too. And you know, Thank you so much. You're the best. You're the best. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I so appreciate it. You are so welcome. 